Coming up today on the Power to Pivot podcast, all about the world of Versatile Layer with author Thomas Davis. At any given moment, every single one of us has the power to choose again. Oftentimes, it's that nasty four-letter word fear that holds us back from making new choices that can put us on a new path in life. Here on the Power to Pivot podcast, I'm talking with others who've made the choice to push fear aside, pivoting in their own lives. You're going to hear from artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, coaches, those with an empowering message to share with the world, and those looking to create positive progress in the world. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miles, founder of March 4th Media Company, and as someone who knows firsthand how strong fear can push us down, I also know that there is always a way back. This is the show to help you do just that, sharing conversations, resources, and fresh ideas that inspire you to choose again, pivot away from fear, and move towards your own goals and dreams for your life, putting you on the path to your own personal freedom. Welcome to the Power to Pivot podcast. Are you ready? It is time to pivot. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I am joined today by author Thomas Davis. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. So you have uh, started a series, the Versatile Layer series. Yes. Tell us about it, because you're several books into this. Uh, I actually, uh, I've actually completed the entire series. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm working on the collection right now. Um, I uh, basically, Versatile Layer is um, at its core. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a love story, like a classical Romeo and Juliet type stuff. A, uh, a human, a human boy named Jake Takeda meets an alien girl named Adiola Farm. And, uh, but both of their races have been at war off and on for about 200 years. And um, they get separated during the course of the first, uh, of the first part. And uh, the rest of the story is them trying to find their way back together while this intense war is raging on in the, uh, in the solar system. Nice. So where did the idea for the, the, the story come from? Um, it kind of just, uh, I just had this idea for a really, um, for a really simple, uh, really simple story called The Red Girl, which is the first book. It just, uh, just scenes just kept, kept popping in my head um, because uh, I used to draw comic books uh, years ago. And the last comic book I drew was like back in 2010. And I pretty much dropped writing since then. And uh Leading up to 2017, I just kept having ideas for the book, The Red Girl. And, you know, it's a simple little coming of age story. But um, the characters in the world just kept getting uh, just kept getting, kept getting more fleshed out. And uh, the idea kept getting bigger and bigger. And uh, originally, it's, supposed to, it's only supposed to be a three book series. But uh, the ideas just kept coming. So it expanded out to nine books. And uh, yeah, just a, a simple idea that sprawled out into something much larger. That's amazing. How, what was the process like for you as it was unfolding? 
Um, I uh, I uh, I don't really outline much. I have a uh, I have a really clear idea of what I want the story to be. Uh, like so, basically, each book is like a uh, each book is a contained story, but there's like kind of like the Marvel universe where everything's contained to its own its own story, but there's threads that lead out lead out into bigger parts of the story, the conclusion. So um, yeah, my process was pretty much like I uh, I'll write my I'll write my opening chapter, I'll write my conclusion, and then I'll kind of uh, I'll kind of jump around within the story. I don't really outline much. So you so, kind of, you know where you're starting, you know where you want to go, and you just as you write, you're filling in the blanks from there. Yeah, and uh, I know, like I know my major set pieces, and I know uh, the conversation, the, the the I know the gist, but I'm kind of figuring out everything else as it goes. And during that process, like characters actually get created during that process, and uh, and it's funny because you'll create a character to fill a role in the ones in, in a story but then you get to the next story you need that character to do something else uh there's a character named Zeke that i created just to serve like a purpose to set up an action scene but as she developed by the time i got to the conclusion of her of uh of that story arc she was a pivotal character to, to that story arc and i was like how would have i how would i have completed this story arc if i didn't have this character yeah, you. I like that you're not. Um, I think you you mentioned you don't really outline much, and I think. Do you think that if you did, it would kind of box you in too much? Like, I feel like you have given yourself a lot of freedom in your writing to be able to do that with the characters. Honestly, I'm just really, really bad at outlining. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at outlining. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, I really suck at outlining. So I'll have an idea of what I want. And then, uh, and scenes just kind of pop into my head as I'm going throughout my day. Like, uh, so I'll just be at work uh, driving somewhere and a scene, a conversation will start and that conversation will build itself into the scene. And I'll just jot down whatever notes I have and then work on the scene later. And uh, for me, the hardest scene, to, the hardest chapter to write is, uh, is is whatever chapter is left over. So if I have the entire book done and chapter seven isn't done, it's like chapter seven is the hardest chapter to write because that's the chapter I'm stuck. I'm forced to write in that moment. And it, it usually takes the longest. Is it just you feel like there's a pressure you add to yourself to get it done? What what makes it the most challenging? Uh, just the fact that uh, just the fact that I can't wander anywhere else. Like I can't just. Um, it's kind of like uh, just like a lot of it's just inspiration. Like I'll uh, I'm an, I I write from inspiration, but mainly so I'm inspired to do whatever chapter um, presents itself in my head. So when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm down to that last chapter, it's hard to force inspiration. Got it. So it's almost like you've you've allowed yourself to be like to explore the process, explore the characters, take it wherever the story needs to go. But now you kind of have to tie the loose ends up and there's only so many ways to get there. Yeah. Um, you have to. Yeah, you have to put that. Uh, you have to you have to mold that final puzzle piece. So. Do you feel like that helps you, though, in terms of the next 
layer, like the, building the next book, right? Because then you can arc it to whatever is going to come next, right? Uh, yeah, it's like kind of like uh, during the process like of writing that final chapter, that final chapter is leading to the next book. So I know what the next book is going to be. It's all about getting the, the current book together. So you said the series is finished. How did you know it was ending or, or that this this was it? Oh, because I've had I've had the ending, I've had the ending in mind since I and since I uh, since I started. I had uh, like I knew how I wanted the book to I knew how I wanted the series to end, and that's uh, that's really liberating as a writer to know to know the exact point you're building up to. It lets you um, it lets you wander a bit, like you can wander in different directions because you know that this is your destination. So all these paths you're wandering down, you know that you know to to steer these paths in that direction, even though you're wandering about, even though you're wandering around a bit. I love that. So I think that's a great metaphor for life, really. Like, yeah, especially if you're looking to write a book or you know, you want to start that business, but you're not quite sure, or you know that there's another path for you, you, you want to get to a different point in your life. And it's okay to wander away from that for a second. You know, we can take different twists and turns to get where we want to go. I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, have yeah, because you... a, um, a story needs to have more than just the, uh, just the ultimate goal. Like uh, you can, you need to leave leave room for the characters to um to be people, you know people they they're not always on track all the time and sometimes uh sometimes a serious character can be a bit silly sometimes a silly character can be the person that rallies everyone to do what they need to do in that moment so um yeah you leave room for for the characters to grow and to push towards that goal and in the course of that it, the, the story needed to get bigger as these characters grew more and more. I think you, it, it's true. And it adds to complexity. I mean, if we were just, we're not one dimensional beings. Um, we're, there's many levels and layers to us. And I agree, like, I think this is what makes good writing is the levels and complexity of your character. Um, because then I feel like they're relatable. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your uh, inspirations as, as a creator? You know, is there a writer or a filmmaker that you are inspired by or, or something that helps you get in that creative mode? Um, I grew up reading comic books and watching movies. So uh, um, it really influenced my writing style. My uh, each book, I consider each book to be like a, uh, a two and a half hour movie. And that's about the that's about the amount of time it would take you to sit and read it all in one sitting. So you get you have movie one, movie two, and then all the way up to movie nine, which is the conclusion. So I'm a real I'm a real visual person, like a real visual thinker. So I'll describe with the way something looks, and I like to uh, and I like to and I like to have fun, I like to have a good sense of humor in the uh, within the pages and really let you get to know the characters like let you know what their favorite food is what they enjoy and why what they're doing is important to them like even the villains even the villains have like uh even 
you hate these, you hate the villains, but you understand why why they're doing these bad things because you understand them as people and you see that they have their own perspective and how they see that, how they see the world working. It's interesting that you say that because I, I've had this conversation before, so I'll ask you this. Do you think the villains would agree that they're villains? Nah, because <laughs> no villain would no villain would ever think that they're the villain. Like they're always they always think they have what they always think that everyone else doesn't know they don't have their perspective and they can't understand their perspective. And uh I think a, a lot of what I do with my villains is they take everything onto themselves. And if they had some, if they if they got some perspective from someone else, they would kind of see that they're wrong. And maybe at some, maybe on some level, they know they're wrong, and they don't want that perspective. They run from that perspective from others, and that uh, and that community with others, because they're I guess they're afraid that they're going to be the proven wrong, and that what they're living their lives for is ultimately ultimately a lie. I wonder though, like I think about some of the villains out there in theater and movies and books. And I, I wonder for which ones that would be true and which ones would they would just like dig their heels in and they're like, nope, I am, this is it. I'm right and here's why. But I, I think it's an interesting thought. Um, but it, I mean, it goes back to what you said about perception. Like it's just it's depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, but they they definitely they give context <laughs> to this story for sure. Um, and and I'm sure we all have had villains come up for our lives as well, or or not. I don't want to say villains. I you know people have their own motivations, but um, that conflict comes up. It's just going to happen in life. Yeah, like um, I think I was saying uh, in book four, book four is mainly a battle between the uh, between the humans or Terrans, as they're called in a book, and the Arez, who are these uh, who are these tall aliens. They're about the average height is about six and a half feet tall, six and a half to seven feet tall. They have red skin. Um, they're really exotic hair colors. They're physically superior to humans, faster, stronger. And uh, when they fight, when they fight humans, they're always wearing masks. Like, like their uniform is a mask. But uh, there's one part of the story where uh, one of the humans gets captured, and she sees the Yerez at their camp, and you know they're just sitting around eating, like having conversations. And uh, she sees like, oh man, these are the people we're fighting. They're not as scary up close when you actually see them without their mask and their weapons. And a lot of the story is from the uh, the arrest perspective because I never uh, I I jump back and forth between the human and the arrest perspective because they both have legitimate reasons why why they why they think they're fighting and uh, the yeah like the arrest think the humans like they both think the other side means them harm or destruction so that's why they fight and they don't know that they're both that. East and the sides don't know that they're fighting for the same reasons and that if they left each other alone, they wouldn't, if they actually sat down at a table, they wouldn't be fighting because they have so much in common. Mm. That I think is powerful. Um, and an important call out. Cause I think if we, if we walked through life with that mindset about, you know, 
just thinking about the conflicts that go on in the world and we start to shape conversations in a new way and i talk about this in other episodes and it's 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 actually it's part of the message that march fourth media is all about right it's if we sat down and had a new conversation and started asking new questions for some of the big problems that are going on in the world we'll get different results and i think you bring an important point to that we're not all that different <laughs> um yeah, and that's what's so great about science fiction is you can uh you can explore these uh you can explore these concepts and these ideas in a way where uh the average person who may not agree with you will sit down for like all the fun action and and see that you, you have more in common with this writer or this this opposite person than you than you realize like you both you kind of want the same thing, but you just don't understand how to connect to get it. Yeah, yeah, like it's, and and we can, you can embrace the difference, right? You don't have to make it a battle. You can accept the fact that you're different and learn from each other, but really, yeah, like there's more similarities than you might think. I love yeah. that. Um, how was, I, I love the artwork for your covers oh thank you what was the process like of of going through the cover because you're like choosing that that cover has to summarize and give a feeling for your entire book literally in a picture what was that process like for you for designing the cover because i know for me when i was doing my covers it that was probably one of the hardest parts um i actually uh I did some of the covers myself. Uh, I believe books um, books five, six, and seven, I did the covers myself on. And uh, yeah, the cover says a lot about the book. Um, like you wanna, you wanna give the person a feel for what's going on. You wanna highlight the characters. And I like to, uh, I really, I love, uh, I love vivid colors like, um, like uh like the arez world is really neon and purple and so like i like to reflect that on the covers like if you look on uh if you look on the cover of uh of book three or one i kind of play with the orders is where uh adiola on the cover she's doing like an action pose you see like a golden pill and pyramid behind her which is pretty much her house because she's part of the royal family and they live inside of a giant golden pyramid at the center of this alien city and uh, just to have the have these images in your head and to uh, and to communicate these images to an artist, um, because I can draw, but I can't. Um, but you notice, like the covers that I did aren't they aren't rendered as well as the covers that I had commissioned, because I come from a comic book background, and you know I'm all black lines and solid colors. But it's it helps though because I can draw out what I want and give that to the artist and say yeah this is the idea of what I want try to make this happen <laughs> right um do you feel like it's a, a I don't want to say a detriment but how do you feel like the difference in the artistic styles change the overall feeling for the book um I don't think it's that significant um okay. I, tr I try to find artists who is because the uh, at the end of the day, the aesthetic of the story itself really uh, 
the story has its own aesthetic. So I'm, I'm communicating that aesthetic to other artists to uh, like, yeah, purple is, purple is a very significant color and I want that incorporated into the color. Um, Jake's uh, military uniform is like the, the military uniforms are blue and they have a, uh, have like a World War I aesthetic to them. I want a, uh, I want a Ruger like pistol on there. Like the aesthetic is so baked into the story that the different artists uh, doing the covers, um, they, they're, all, they're all working from the same pool of ideas. So there's, there's a visible similarity between the, uh, the differing styles of artwork. These are, I, I love the covers, like really the, oh, the coloring on there. Um, and I think, you know, the fonts that you've chosen, it all puts together this package for your story. Oh, thanks. I really, uh, I really like the way cover number seven came out. Uh, that's the war chief with the, and like, unlike the other covers, this has like a different font for the word war chief. Mm-hmm. And I like the, I like, I always, I like the idea of the two hands coming together and uh, Jake lost his, uh, he lost his left hand during a, uh, during an attack. And you see his robotic left hand making contact with Adiola's uh, humanoid, like red, uh, red hand, like touching fingertips together. It's just like, it was a very vivid image that I had in my head. And I'm glad that I was able to capture that, that image I had in my head. I, I honestly, I'm glad you brought up that specific one because I, as I look at all the, the covers together, that was the one that kind of stood out. It is, it's got a different feeling to it. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very important, I can't really spoil what happens in that book, but it's very, that image is very important to the series. I want to stop for a second and because I want to make sure we don't forget to cover this. Where can we find your books? Like if somebody wants to pick up a copy, um, where do we, where can we go? Um, all the links are on my website, uh, versatile-layer.com slash books. Mm-hmm. You can also, uh, you can also do an Amazon search for uh, versatile layer or Thomas K. Davis, because if you type in versatile layer, you're going to get a lot of jackets. <laughs> ah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and well, a uh, and a versatile layer is uh, it's just a fancy way of saying an exosuit because the Urez is so much stronger than humans that some elite soldiers wear exosuits so they get so they can be just as strong and fast as the Urez. And and a, a versatile layer exosuit it kind of makes you move like the Matrix. Like you can run on walls, you can dodge bullets. It kind of gives you like a bit almost a superpower on the battlefield um i'll make sure we get all the links in the show notes too for everybody um so they can pick up a copy i'm wondering oh and uh and i don't know why amazon did this but book one uh the red girl is on sale the hardcover and well not the hardcover the uh the physical is on sale for five bucks not do you know how long that sale is going on it's been going on since uh late last year okay okay <laughs> they didn't ask they didn't ask me they just put it on sale like well, you know all grab right a copy. <laughs> get into the series um now can the books be read individually of each other where if i picked up book six i would not be lost or or do you recommend reading them all in the right sequence it's best to read them all in the right sequence 
but if you if you jump straight into book four, I uh I take I take the time to um to get you to get you caught up without um with it's kind of like you get the you get you get the new readers caught up without boring the old readers like little ex, little excerpts here and there to let you know who the character is and what they're about. But you know, reading from the beginning gets you the best. Uh, it gets you the best experience for experiencing the the series. Yeah, I um I think about me catching up in Marvel in like the last two movies. <laughs> and I, I I was a latecomer to the MCU, and yeah. uh, you know, I they got to the end, and I was like, okay, I'm you know, my daughter convinced me come to the movies with me. And I did. And then I was like, wait, I get it. And this is great. But but what happened before? And then, you know, I had to watch from the start. So when did uh, when did you jump in? Uh, I jumped in in Infinity War. Wow. This year, there's so much. I know, <laughs> yeah, yes, there was a lot that happened. Um, yeah, they throw they throw a lot at you. And Infinity War, like, um, out of the Marvel movies, it's uh, it's very unforgiving. They're like if you don't know who Star Lord is, it's not gonna it's not gonna do a lot to explain who it is. <laughs> yes, and and then it, uh, then Endgame is like even more unforgiving. It's like if you if you showed up in Endgame, we're not explaining anything to you. <laughs> no, I know. And she, so she's like, you know, come see Infinity War, come see Infinity War. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go. This is a great time with my daughter. Um, and she had been trying to get me into Marvel before that, but I was like all right whatever um and i loved the movie and uh after that she was like feeding me like here's what happened in 16 minutes and i'm like what (laughs) i'm gonna need a little more to understand and she's like all right well you're just gonna have to watch iron man and i was like all right you know and um i watched them in order of release that's the best way to do it yeah um and then you know by the time i think spider-man far from home came out i was like all right i I finally get it it took me a while but uh i'm hooked so yeah i love that series do you have a favorite out of the marvel movies yeah oh man um let me think about it for a sec there's a few. I'll say um I think maybe Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Because I'm such a I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And to see Spider-Man done like so they really got him right. Like I want to see I want to see Spider-Man in high school. It's like we got all these 40-year-old heroes running around. It's good to see what the younger generation is up to. And it was really interesting to see like these kids who who basically grew up in a world with superheroes in it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really yeah, it was an awesome movie. Um, I think somebody asked me this question the other day: what, my favorite character or my favorite movie? And it's funny because you're like, there's a couple of them, right? And I'm like, oh, well, it's this one. And I was like, Doctor Strange. And then I thought about it, and I was like, but wait, no, <laughs> Spider Man's my favorite. Like, I couldn't really pick one because I think they're so complex and so well-written and they're just, there's reasons to love all of them as I'm sure is the case with your books too. Like, as you're reading these characters, like 
there's reasons to love all of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. One day I was sitting around like, when did Wanda Maximoff become my favorite character? I know. I know. <laughs> She's so great. <laughs> I know. It's funny, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, honestly, even, um, oh my God, why can't I think of the the villain in the show? <laughs> um, uh, Loki? No. Oh, I love Loki. Um, yeah. No. Give me give me one second because I'm I'm gonna Google this and I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed that I cannot remember the name of the character as much as I love her. No, she was in the Scarlet Witch. Um, oh, Agatha, Wanda. Agatha yes. Harkness. Yeah, I wanted to call her Agnes, awesome. and I'm like, that's not right. I, oh, because Agnes all, was her. Agnes was her. Uh, was her her co- her cover name like her yes, pseudonym? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Whew, I'm not going crazy. No, no, you're not going crazy. It's it's both names. <laughs> so I, like, there you go, right? Villain, and love her. I love the actress who play her. Oh, plays Catherine her. Han, yeah. Oh my god. She also played. Um, she also played Doc Ock in the Spider Verse movie with Miles Morales. Yeah, she's and it she's was amazing. such an awesome version of Doc Ock. The way she revealed herself all casually, and she had like the different types of arms coming out. And she even had like the beehive hairdo that looked kind of like the back of an octopus's body. Yeah, it was, it was such a cool character. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, but yeah, I like I I watched WandaVision and going, I want more of her. <laughs> like, and she's the villain. Yeah, she's a, she yeah, she's an awesome villain. Do you did you get to see the new Spider Man? Uh, I've seen I got to see it twice. It's good, we right? If we weren't in a pandemic, I probably would have seen it like five times. Because <laughs> I normally, I normally go to the movies to see a Marvel movie about like three or four, four to five times. Like that's how much I like the movies. I feel like every it's time you on watch what movie it, it is, you get a different experience every time. Like you're gonna yeah, find you, something. Yeah, you pick up something. You pick up something a little different each time. Do you have a favorite Spider-Man? Like if you have to pick from the three of them. This is gonna sound like sacrilege, but I would have to say Tom. Tom Holland. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of people will say Toby, but I have to go with Tom because he's such a uh he's such an accurate because I, I grew up reading I, I grew up reading Spider-Man and Tom is such an accurate portrayal of the comic book Spider-Man. Yeah. I I have heard that. I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm a I'm like Team Toby. <laughs> But, I mean, he definitely can't. He definitely can't dance in the black suit like Toby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Um, but I loved the three of them together in that movie. I thought it was just done really, really well. Um, yeah, and I was nervous about that because, because uh, you know, there's been a lot of fan service in, in some franchises lately that's really put me off. And when the idea of like, hey, we're going to mash all these universes together and do all this big display of fan service, I was a bit, I was a bit nervous about it. But the way they did, the way they did it in the movie was just as good as the way Endgame did it, where the fan service was there, but it served the story and uh, it, 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 and it enriched, it enriched the story. Oh, yeah. Detracting from it. It wasn't just there for its own sake. They were like, no, if we're going to put it in and we're going to, and we're going to, and it's going to have a right to be here. It's not just going to be, hey, look at the thing. Because I really hate, hey, look at the thing <laughs> that you remember. Yup. No, you're right. I, I was nervous about it. 
um, again, being team Toby, um, (laughs) you know, I was like, are they going to do that? How are they going to do this? Um, but at one point I thought we, I thought it would be cool if they threw a curveball and had miles and Gwen show up instead of, (laughs) that would be a cool twist because Um, they're actually like the same age range as Tom. So it would make a lot of sense for them to show up. But I like the fact that Toby and, uh, and Andrew showed up kind of like as mentors. Yeah, it was a nice way to 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 do the movie for like this. And I could have watched honestly the three of them banner back and forth for two and a half hours. And yeah, it was great. You know, take out any other part of the the movie, and it would have been great. Um, so what's what do you think? Going back to to your books, like what's next for you? Like, do you feel like you have another series in you? Is it going to be something that ties in with Versatile Layer? Um, I don't know right now. Um, I've done a few, I've done a few drafts on a, uh, on a follow-up story, but, um, I, it's hard to get started on a follow-up because I don't know what the ending is yet. Ah. So maybe once I figure out what the next ending is going to be for the next epic chapter, then I'll, uh, then the, the words will start flowing. Because yeah, I've uh, you know I've just been jotting stuff down, and you know it's hard to it's hard to fill in more of the universe when you don't know where it's going, which is kind of the drawback of not doing uh, of not doing um, of of not doing outlines. It's like when you don't have a goal in mind, it makes it more difficult to uh, to immerse yourself in the in the story. I don't know. I was never. I don't outline my books. Um, I I I guess I feel like I have a similar style to you like that though i thinking about when i was writing my first one i kind of knew the message i wanted to give but i didn't keep it so static to like this is how i have to give it and as i was writing the book you know it was just like i was able to you know twist and turn and then we went through the editing process and you could refine it um, yeah. I felt like it gave me a little more freedom. Yeah, I think that's that's more. I think you hit on something right there. Um, I don't know the, I don't know the message yet, because the message grew so much and it was so refined by the end of the series. That what's the, uh, what's the new message? Like what, what's what's left to be said when so much has been said already? Yeah. So yeah, I'll figure it out eventually. You will, you will. I, you know, just, I, I love that you're open to it. And when, when it's ready to pop, it'll, it'll happen and you'll get back to writing and give us some more good stuff. Um, how many books have you written? I have three. Uh, they're all personal development and mindset. Um, my first one was published in 2019. Um and just like we talk about here on the show where those moments in life where you can pivot, that's, that's kind of where what my books are all about. Um, so book number one is this is where you pivot the shift from fear to freedom. And it kind of shares my journey and how I came to understand that we can all make another choice. Um, that I, I was in a place in my life where I was feeling very stuck um, lost very much alone and feeling like I don't have any power in my life and I I went through this experience where I came to realize very clearly and very quickly that was not the case um 
And so book one kind of shares my journey through that. And then, you know, offering tips and, and suggestions and just how we can reframe that for ourselves so we don't feel as powerless. Um, book two is this, uh, the journey to healing love yourself and it's sort of like a love letter to your soul where we're going through these storms in our lives and as we go through the aftermath you know we learn to, to love ourselves a little harder um but it you know ultimately we got to love ourselves before we can serve others and as hard as that is you have to allow yourself to go on that journey um, so I talk about boundaries and, and giving yourself time to play and, uh, all framed within how you're talking to yourself too, because that's such a big part of it. And then book three is connect you a guide to your authentic life. Um, and it's a workbook. It takes, you know, components of book one and two. Um, and we talk about mindset and how to set goals and, um, authenticity, and that's, that's key, right? Because you can live life um, following someone else's rules, but ultimately it's your life. Um, frame it for you in a way that really feels good for you. Great. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. Uh, um, when did you feel like you've, uh, let me, I'm trying to explain. Like, um, like I wrote books one and two. And um, if when I got to book three and I really figured out my and I really figured out like the process of writing and, and how I and the things I was doing to construct a book and my ideas that really I was doing by accident in the first two books of just being a um, just being someone who enjoys media and enjoys storytelling but I absorbed so much of it that I was doing it by accident. And by the time I got, by the time I was writing book three, I was like, oh, I, I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, <laughs> oh, the reason that, uh, the reason that the hero grabbed that object and before he got to the door, dropped it. No, that created a little bit more conflict for the scene to make it more interesting. I just did that because I found it more interesting. Now I realize, oh, you do that because if it's just a, a smooth ride, it's not interesting. Like, like the little pieces of the process became so crystal clear as I was writing book three and to look back to make sure I was doing those like, oh, well, thank God I, I was doing those <laughs> leading up to this. Isn't it funny, though? It's so important to look back at your work. I think um, it's really easy to get stuck in this is my first book and it has to be perfect. Right. And I know I did that, too. I'm like talking to my editor. Yeah. I'm like is this good? Are we good? And I, and I was nervous. And there was a moment after I published, well, first of all, so 2019, I finished the book. We got through it. No, 2019, 2020. I, at this point, it's a blur. Um, but we finished the book. We had planned on a September launch. Um, we get everything loaded into Amazon. And then in July, and we were going to put it on pre-sale. And then all of a sudden I get a notification. Congratulations. Your book is now. like, congratulations. It's out there. And I went, oh crap. Like I wasn't prepared. The marketing's not done. This isn't perfect. It's not ready. And I had this moment after that, where I said, 
I'm like going through the book and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to say this. I forgot to say that. I forgot to say this. And then I opened the book. I literally was going to rewrite the entire book. Wow. And um, when I, I opened the file to start typing and I was like, oh, wait, I already said that. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you just, there's, we want it to be perfect. And then I feel like by book two, it was not as profound that like gripping, like this has to be perfect. Like I can, I can relax a little more into the process of writing and just explore the concept a little bit. We can clean it up in editing. I trust my editor, like he and I work well together. Um, and then book three being a workbook was a bit different because, you know, I was still trying to get a message across and sort of tell a story and teach a little bit, but it was in the context of, well, now you're doing the work as the reader. Like, how do I convey this? And that was a little bit of a stretch. But as I look back, I feel like my writing in three is better than my writing in one. Yeah. So, so I feel like we're, it's, just part of the process I think just evolve, letting yourself be open to the creative process be opening to feedback and letting yourself just unfold it's a craft yeah and uh you kind of have to be willing to um to learn about while people are watching yeah right? which is you have to be willing to stumble while there's an audience yeah. watching you stumble yeah oh yeah and that can be a little nerve-wracking like yeah when you when people read your book like what's the are you like, what are you saying to yourself in the back of your mind? Uh, what do you mean? Like, do you, like for me, the first time somebody read that was not my editor and had not gone on this journey to get this book written, I was like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. <laughs> like, please just like this book, please. Like yeah. I wanted them because there's so much, I say this and it doesn't matter if you're writing fiction, nonfiction, science fiction, like whatever it is, as the creator, you are literally taking a piece of your soul and serving it up on a platter for the world to see. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the, like, I was like, just please, 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 please. Cause we want that validation. So were there any moments that you can think of where you were having someone review it or once that book was out or you had those moments of like, Oh crap. <laughs> like what were you saying to yourself? Um I've uh I've seen reviews where it's like okay this person this person gets me. <laughs> this person read the book and they really picked up on all the th they really picked up on all the themes and all the ideas that I was trying to express. And then you read another review it was like god that review was too short I got nothing from it. <laughs> it's kind of like a drug at some points. <laughs> <laughs> it's and funny then, though um, then you read a critique and you'll disagree like ah oh, does someone will we'll talk about your editing or your structure and you'll disagree but you'll take that and it's like okay maybe maybe i should take another look at that maybe there are some issues there that need to be addressed and uh mostly when um Mostly when people read my books, I just want to, I want to sit down and have a conversation with them afterwards. <laughs> I want to talk about like the universe and, and like all the cool things. Like, uh, we'll talk to them about like the relationships between the characters and the universe and 
what they thought of like the science fiction, like what they thought of the action and everything. Like I really, I would, I would like to sit down with everyone who's read the book and just have conversations with them about the universe. Coffee talk with Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> um, I, I think, um, it's uh, just recently. So I had a chance to to chat with another author, Eva Creel, completely different like genre. Um, and we're talking about the fact that not every book is for every person. And I think you're, you're touching on that too. Like you're reading it and you're like, you didn't get it, but somebody else did. And, and I, I've noticed the same thing. Like some people will read my work and they're like, yes. And I'm like, they're with them. And then others are like, okay, thank you. But like, they're not there and they're, they're not at a point in their life where they can get what I've written. Um, yet. And maybe they will, maybe they won't, but that's fine. Like there's not, we don't all have to like, you know, the same type of ice cream. So. Yeah. Um, it's but like, I, um, yeah. Like you, if you read a review, it's like, ah, you didn't get it. You just want to grab them and shake them. Like, no, that's, that's wrong. People like people are different. They like different things and they, they expect different things. So you can't really get mad at a person for not, being on the same page as you because yeah. everyone has everyone has different experiences and everyone is drawn to different things yeah and we can i think when we look at the the criticisms and the feedback that come in we can learn from it i mean i think there's something to be said about like using that to further refine and and perfect your own craft and it's a constant journey like um you know it, after the next series, when you're another eight books in, I think you're going to look back on the first one in this series and you're going to see a completely different Thomas. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This, I Please let me know, like, keep us posted as the next series does start to unfold for you, because I'm, I'm really excited to see where your journey goes next. Awesome. Yeah, this has been a, a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. Oh, me too. Me too. Thank yeah. you. Tell us again where we can find your books and, and can people reach out to you directly on social media? How do we find you? Um, you can reach me at uh, all my links are on my website, which is versatile-layer.com. You can find all my socials on there. Uh, you, can also, uh, you can also find links to my books on Amazon on there. You can also go straight to Amazon, type in versatile layer, make sure you hit eBooks or you're going to get a lot of jackets. And um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, maybe um, someday there'll be a versatile layer jacket for the book are, series. <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> I know yeah. the main character. He wears like uh, he wears like a uh, a trench coat, like a kind of like a pea coat, like as a cape over his uh, over his like. Because I you, have you ever seen the movie? Um, what was it? It's a it's a Luc Besson movie, science fiction. Uh, well, Probably not. Uh, I'm just saying, probably yeah. not. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the there's an exosuit, exosuit in that that uh, looks similar. Okay. Yeah, and you never yeah, know. It's like, yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like a, like a, uh, like a blue pea coat over like an exosuit with like the captain's hat on. I think it looks really cool. <laughs> not, can't wait to see it on the runway, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I will wear it. There you go. All right, guys. I'll make sure to put the show, um, the links in the show notes pick up a copy of one of the eight, all of the eight of the versatile layer series. 
Um, Thomas. Oh, and so uh, one last thing: the uh, the versatile versatile layer collection, uh, books one through three, is coming in the next couple months. So keep an eye out for it. Nice. Keep us posted. We'll drop links. Awesome. All right, Thomas. Thank you so much, guys. We will end the show like we do every episode. Remember, you are never stuck. You are never lost, and you are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. I'll chat with everybody on the next episode. Take care, Thomas. You too. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Liz here from March 4th Media Company. One of the biggest lessons I have ever learned is it is difficult to get what you truly want when you're defining life and your standards by everyone else's definitions. That got me nowhere. I spent so much time, effort, and energy looking around me for answers that I forgot that I had everything I needed right inside of me. What I did lack was a guide to find my way to those answers. And that is exactly what I'm offering you in my new workbook, Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. This is a workbook that I have written to provide you with a roadmap to connect you with the innermost pieces that make you unique, authentic, and amazing, helping you to tap into the power and possibility within you. It's filled with lessons, activities, content, meditations that are going to guide you to help you learn how to honor your own definitions of success, set boundaries and goals that feel really good to you, and understand your intuition and how to trust it. Take the trip. Connect You, a guide to your authentic life is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, or reach out to me online on Instagram, Facebook, or over at march4thmediacompany.com to grab your your copy. 